Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. This is a podcast that is dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith, just like the road to Emmaus. Uh, Join us as we discuss (laughs) the same road. Uh, Join (laughs) us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today on our creeds and confessions episode, we're going to be covering um, a definition. Uh, Is it a creed? Is it a confession? Is it somewhere in between? Not really sure. It's called the Chalcedonian Definition. Uh, That's its proper title. Um, So unless Lucas has some other introductory things he wants to say, we're just going to read it and discuss. Yeah, uh, I, I actually... I didn't really think of doing any more, but it might be worthwhile. Um, ca- this is probably, you know, which makes sense. Um, you know, so far we've we had an episode way back. We you know I'm not going to run through everything again, but we've 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 talked about the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed. Um, we're getting now past sort of the most widely accepted and widely used. Um, creeds and confessions so everybody accepts and uses the apostles creed everybody accepts the nicene creed Um, certainly everybody in the west would accept the athanasian creed Um, probably not the east as much but with a few tweaks i think they they would you know certainly um, understand where it's coming from and with talking about the 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 chalcedonian definition um, like you said i don't know that it I don't know that I would necessarily call it a creed per se, um, and it wasn't setting out to to be a creed, um, as I think we'll kind of see. It wasn't it wasn't setting out to to really add anything so much as clarify. Um, but a little bit of background: Chalcedon was the ch- early church council, the fourth ecumenical council, where um, the church came together to discuss the the nature of the div- of the the meeting of the divine and the human nature in Christ in the incarnation. Um, we've talked about this many times in the last couple months um, in different ways. The Athanasian Creed was all about it in part two. We had a whole episode on on heresies and misunderstandings of the way that those two natures interact. Um, but this was what the, the Orthodox Church came to put forward as the, the boundary markers for thinking and discussing um, appropriate Orthodox Catholic Christology. Now, I have to put a giant asterisk next to that <laughs> because um, while most of the churches in the world would today look to Chalcedon as an ecumenical council and look to what we're going to read today as correct Orthodox doctrine, um, that that's only you know half the story um the oriental orthodox churches um which i don't know if i'll be able to name them all but the the coptic church the ethiopian church the eritrean church uh the armenian church i think the assyrian church of the east maybe the maybe the syriac church and and i think the the malankara orthodox church um in india I, i don't know if that's all of them but the, the Oriental Orthodox churches are, are a family of churches that are non-Chalcedonian in their theology. So without getting into all that that means, um, they, which make up, 
you know, millions of people. I don't know, I don't know how many, but um, at one point, um, potentially, you know, as, as much as I think, you know, close to close to half the whole church in the world, but not not the case today because of you know many centuries of persecution and and um, just really um, a difficult time in, in many of those regions, but. They don't accept. They would not accept this definition as a orthodox articulation of Christology. So, with that caveat, and that might be worth further exploration in, in a in a main episode. But but I I did want to get that out of the way. Just like we, we're we're not saying you know those churches don't exist, but we are saying you know as as Western Catholic Christians, we are we are saying that this is in our estimation an orthodox exposition of Christology. So. Um, that being said, I will now read uh, this section from from the documents of, of that council, which has become to be known as the, 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 the definition of faith of Chalcedon or the Chalcedonian definition. So, reading. Following then the Holy Fathers, one and the same Son that our Lord Jesus Christ is confessed to be, we all with one voice teach the same perfect in Godhead, the same perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man, the same consisting of a rational soul and a body. Homoousios with the Father as to his Godhead, and the same homoousios with us as to his manhood. In all things like unto us, sin only excepted. Begotten of the Father before ages as to his Godhead, and in the last days the same for us and for our salvation, of Mary the Virgin Theotokos as to his manhood. On the same, one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, in two natures, which exist without confusion, without change, without division, without separation made known. The difference of the natures having been in no wise taken away by reason of the union, but rather the properties of each being preserved, and both concurring into one person and one hypostasis, not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten the divine Logos, the Lord Jesus Christ, even as the prophets from of old have spoken concerning him, and as the Lord Jesus Christ himself has taught us, and as the symbol of the fathers has delivered to us. So, quite a mouthful. Um, quite a mouthful. <laughs> I guess I'll just just leave it at that. There's a lot here. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty dense, um, but I think we can kind of pick out the, the most important you know, the highlights. Um, uh, so first of all, homoousios is a word that we've talked about a few times on the podcast, but as a quick reminder, um, it basically means of the same substance, of the same essence. So when it says that uh, the same consisting of a rational soul and body, talking about Jesus, um, homoousios with the Father as to his Godhead and, and homoousios with us as to his manhood, um, he has the same substance with the Father, referring to his Godhead, his, his divinity, and the same substance with us, referring to his manhood, his humanity. Um, he is consubstantial. It's sort of another more Latin way of saying that. He, he is consubstantial, homoousios, with both the Father, meaning God, and mankind, because he is both man and God. He is the God-man. So that's kind of just a quick you know, reminder slash clarification on what it's saying there. Um, which is really the core of the earlier Christological debates that that preceded this council that we really talked about with our in our Christological Heresies episode, um, where this council is really hammering home that we confess that Jesus is both God and man, and that's not, you know, 
a shell game or, you know, just a way of speaking, but he is truly in his very essence, God and man, um, which really serves as the foundation for doing Christology, I would say, is, is that, that understanding. So it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, I feel, I feel like, um, I feel like someday we're going to have to have a t-shirt. I think I've joked with you, um, but have a t-shirt that says this could be an entire episode on its own. Um, because <laughs> like we, we do say that a lot as, as I think back on our 80 some episodes we've done. Um, but truly I would like to do uh, a full episode on this same substance idea. Um, the same, um, homo usias with the father um homo usias with us regarding his manhood um especially i in i don't know i maybe i wasn't aware of these things in 2016 because i was still pretty young and new in deeper theological conversations but um we mentioned it a couple weeks ago this this idea surrounding eternal functional subordination um the Mm, eternal subordination of the son um because these things do have real life practical implications and it's it's important to discuss. And I won't say anything else other than there might be somebody that I want to bring on um, to have conversation with a conversation with us about this. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. hint hint, look forward to something that might be coming. Um, but but truly, uh, these are important things. And maybe if you're somebody who's listened to our creeds and confessions series up to this point, you're like, wow, you're just saying the same things over and over again. And to a, to an extent, we are. Like, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of overlap with the the creeds that we've covered so far. And I promise, as we transition into confessions, which are much longer documents, it will not be repetitive. <laughs> but um, but really, can you can you be repetitive when it comes to discussing our incarnate Lord, especially as we're in the middle of a, a season of Advent, as we. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks are going to be celebrating the, the incarnation of our Lord, um, to, to really think about what, what this says. And I, you know, I would commend and recommend that you guys, you know, right now, if you didn't already, um, or maybe you just want to read it for yourself, um, like look up this Chalcedonian definition, um, read it slowly, carefully. If there's something that you don't understand, look it up. Um, but there's, there's a lot to unpack and it's it's it blows my mind because i think if i was trying to write something like this it would probably be like 10 times as long and not get to the same beautiful point but like i'm drawn at least in the translation that you have here um where you where it says of mary the virgin theotakos um as to his manhood um that's something that i know that you've been big on lately is is mary as the, the the mother of god um, and recently, actually, there's, there was an article that, I think it was a couple years ago at this point, but an article was published by two guys that we, we really like, um, Matt Emerson and Luke Stamps, um, where they talked about this. And it's funny because I hinted a couple episodes ago that you need to be the guy that writes a retrieval of Mary. Um, I don't know if you remember that, <laughs> Lucas, but I didn't realize that this, this article sort of existed. And it, it, it did a really good job. We'll, we'll link to it down in, the, um, down in the show notes just so you can read that. Um, but it was a very well written, well articulated defense of um, as of Mary being the Theotokos and what that means. It, it's not, you know, you don't have to fall into um, the the Catholic Marian dogmas, um, but you can still hold um, Mary quite highly, even as we hold Jesus supremely high. Um, but yeah, I don't know what else you were thinking. You wanted to add? Yeah, um, I think. You know, you talk about some of the overlap between 
um, creeds we've already talked about and just even just ideas we've already spent time talking about. But um, that's, you know, at the time of, you know, at at the very end, uh, it says, as the symbol of the fathers has delivered to us. And, And the symbol there is capitalized in this translation. It's referring to the creed, the Nicene Creed. Um, we see, um, you know, if I can just find uh, truly God and truly man, I think of true God and true God. Uh, he talks about him being begotten of the Father, talks about uh, for us and for, for our salvation, he was incarnate um, from the Virgin Mary. Um, uh, there's another big one. Um, maybe that was what I was thinking of. But um, it's it's because they're not, when, when the Council of Chalcedon is meeting, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're not trying to say anything new. They're not even trying to add anything. They're trying to communicate the faith that was handed down and once delivered to the saints. And in doing so, they have produced this articulation, which we now look back on and can point to as a, um, you know, a succinct, a concise uh, description of what it is that the, that the church confesses. Um, hmm. So that, 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 overlap and you know as we're going week by week it it feels like repetition um is not only you know warranted just because of the subject matter but it's also i i would say i think you can make the case it's also deliberate in the sense of this is what we confess and so we are going to maintain that truth and confess that truth um and and continue to do so i guess is what i'm getting at um, so I think that's kind of that's kind of cool. And then the only other thing that I really wanted to to point out um, is kind of like that when I've learned about this in school, you know, at Moody here at Beeson, um, this is why we learn about Chalcedon and why we especially learn about the Chalcedonian definition is there are these four. Um, these four boundary markers. You know, I've heard this described as as the the fence that Chalcedon draws um, with four sides. That you if it, you can't go past these boundaries, you can't go outside of this fence, um, and 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 maintain an orthodox understanding of of the incarnation. Um, but within this fence, um, there's room to move around. Um, and what that's really getting at is this is a fence. This isn't a, you know, dogmatic declaration. This is a clarification offering boundary markers where we don't want to go beyond without trying to say more than we're able to say and give us, you know, one single orthodox uh, conception of, of um, how the two natures interact. Rather than kind of going that far, what, what the fathers of Chalcedon are doing is kind of drawing the boundary markers and, you know, building a fence inside of which we can do our theology. And those boundary markers, those four sides of the fence are referring to the, the divine and the human nature of Christ or divine and human natures of Christ without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. So they are, the two natures come together in one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, but they are not confused, so they're not like mixed together or, um, you know, like lose some of their their you know distinctness or or lose some of their uh, lose some of their 
properties or whatever. They're not they're not confused together. They're not changed. So the divine nature is the divine nature and the human nature is the human nature and it's the real divine nature and it's the real human nature that those things aren't changed in this union. Now, on the flip side, they are not there's no division. They're without division. You can't you cannot divide the two natures from each other and say Oh, look, there's the divine nature over there, and there's the human nature over there. Um, and we can kind of, you know, have these these two sides of Christ divided. You, you can't do that. And then you also can't have separation. They're, they're together without separation. So you can't have a gap between them um, where you have, you know, over here is the... Like I said, the divine nature and over here is the human nature. Maybe you can say, oh, look, he's doing a miracle. That's the divine nature. Oh, look, he's hungry. That's the human nature. You can't separate these things and have a disconnect between them. So without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. So these boundary markers kind of serve as, like I said, this metaphorical fence where we're able to... um, speak about and communicate about what the two natures in their union looked like um, without transgressing these boundaries in such a way that we start saying things that are inappropriate to to an orthodox understanding. Now, like I said, these are boundary markers. These aren't um, actually like positive claims here. You know, this is saying what what is sort of the edge. This isn't saying... Therefore, that looks like this, 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 and this, and you have to say this or you're wrong, um, because that's just not how Chalcedon goes about it. Um, so I think that that is sort of, if you, if you could take away only one thing from Chalcedon or one thing from this episode, I think it would be that the two natures of Christ, divine and human, are united. You know, union is a very important word. They're united in, in the one person of Jesus Christ without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. Um, And I think that for me, that's kind of like why I like Chalcedon is that right there. Um, And what I think is most important um, is is to maintain those boundaries um, because what that does is, is protect us from falling into any kind of error that would diminish or alter either the divine or the human nature of Christ and, and, you know, make him out to be like some kind of, you know, a schizophrenic God or just a really good moral teacher who was holy or, you know, any, any of the other kind of mischaracterizations of Christ that have emerged throughout history. This is exactly the kind of thing we want to look to as a way to address that and remind ourselves, like, what are our um, guideposts? Maybe, maybe, maybe a fence or a wall or a boundary marker doesn't, work metaphorically for you but but maybe like guardrails or guideposts is, is another way of thinking about it um the the guardrails on the highway that's not the road you know those are the things that protect you from falling off the road the road is what's inside of those guardrails where you actually do your driving so in this metaphor you know we actually do our theology inside of those four withouts <laughs> that chalcedon has um and it's easy to say this and harder to do this. There, there can be a lot of flexibility and freedom inside of that orthodox boundary, if that makes sense. Um, and of course, again, maybe this will be a future episode. It certainly deserves a future episode, but 
the the non-Chalcedonian churches have a have a different way of understanding um, that than we do, than I do, um, than we meaning you know I don't I don't know who's listening, but then we as a podcast do, um, we're two Chalcedonian Christians, but that is uh, a conversation for another day probably. Um, but I, I did want to highlight that, and that was kind of that was kind of why I wanted to even talk about Chalc- the, the definition at all was was to highlight that little section. All right. Sounds good. Well, um, without any further ado, we will, we'll wrap it up and we'll say thank you for, for listening to this uh, episode of the Doxology podcast. We really do appreciate all that you do. Um, we have people who comment and like and leave reviews. So, um, we'd love if you'd continue to do that. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology podcast. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We always welcome your feedback, good and bad, your questions, your episode ideas. Um, please also sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you can find that down below in the description. We, we just love to hear from you. Peace. See you.